Hey friends, welcome back to Ordinary People and Extraordinary Lives. This is your host, your podcaster, Lance Bain. Glad to be with you again this week. So thankful for our times together each week. Hey, I hope you guys are doing well. This is episode 140 of our little podcast designed to help us experience the grace of God while living, leading, and overcoming life's everyday challenges. This is sort of an on-the-road podcast today. I'm up in Boston today on a, an important church matter. I am up here today uh, spending some time with a friend who's needing some help. And uh, so I'm in my hotel room recording today's podcast. And uh, from wherever you may be listening, I'm glad that you are listening with me today. Hey, if you want to know more about me, you can find more at lancebain.com, L-A-N-C-E-B-A-N-E.com. And uh, there's about me. You can communicate with me. You can catch other podcasts and many other resources available there. Hey, I want to talk to you today about communication. And uh, this topic really, it really hit home with me because um, part of it is why I'm in Boston. I'm with a friend who's, who's, who's needing some significant help and really just needing some encouragement and some brotherhood and some pastoral care. And what they're facing uh, is a potential goodbye of a loved one. And when I was thinking about that today and sort of putting myself in their shoes and what, what would it be like if I had to say goodbye to, to, to someone that I really cared about, what I would probably experience is a recollection of all of our memories together, things I wish I had said, things that I wish I had done, uh, things that I wish they had said or wish they had done, not in a selfish way, but in a way that really makes the relationship, the friendship deeply meaningful and an absolute joy and a gift to us. Communication is such an, uh, a helpful tool, a helpful way of connecting heart to heart, mind to mind, a soul to soul, if you will. And Oftentimes, in my working with people for 30 years, unhealthy communication seems to surface over and over and over again. And by unhealthy communication, I mean communication that is influenced by fear, pride, ignorance, heated emotions, and therefore heated words. And so today, in this podcast, I want to talk to you about communication and just offer you some thoughts that I think will be really helpful. Uh, if you've listened to our podcast much, maybe some of the early episodes, you know that uh, I grew up in a somewhat dysfunctional family, although a very loving family, and I learned how to do conflict management by watching how my parents did conflict management. And in hindsight, it wasn't a very helpful way. Also, uh, I recognize that in my nearly 29, uh, my 29 years of marriage, nearly 30 years of marriage, that often the way my wife and I did conflict in the early days of our marriage was just what we saw our parents do, and it wasn't working for us. We didn't know how to communicate our dreams. We didn't know how to connect heart to heart. We didn't know how to have deeper communication with each other. And it's been a journey for the last 15 years to be a better communicator, to be a better listener, which I think is essential to great communication. And I want to talk to you about some things that I've learned over these years in communication. And I'm not, when I talk about communication, I'm talking about 
small group, one-to-one, you to your spouse, you to your children, you to a coworker, a best friend, a boss to employee. I'm not talking about communication into a large room, like from a platform to an audience setting. I'm talking about intimate communication. And so let me offer you some things that I've learned. One thing that I've learned is that you have to manage yourself. You can't manage someone else. Now, we'll all sit here and say, oh, yeah, duh, we kind of know that. But when you think about your communication, how many times do we try to manage someone else? We tell them what they're thinking. We tell them what they're feeling. We, we tell them what they should be doing. And so we, in a subtle way, and sometimes not so subtle way, we actually try to begin to control the other person through manipulation, through fear, through intimidation, aggressive passive and passive aggressive ways. One of the early key ideas that if you want to be great at communicating because you want healthy, powerful connection that is consistently sending love messages back and forth, respect messages back and forth, honor messages back and forth, I delight in you messages back and forth, you can trust me messages back and forth, If you want to send those kind of messages, and you should want to send those kind of messages, then one of the foundational pieces of communication is that you have to manage yourself and not try to manage someone else. And so in managing yourself requires self-awareness. It requires you to identify and label thoughts, emotions, feelings, beliefs, expectations, experiences. A gentleman that I really love a lot and deeply admire his work is a gentleman named Danny Silk, and you can find more about him at lovingonpurpose.com. He often says one of the most difficult things in communication is communicating what you need to another person without pointing the finger at them, meaning, how do I tell you what I need without blaming you for not meeting the need? And that starts to drift into that area where we blame others We try to control others. We try to manipulate others to our own benefit. So you have to manage yourself. That is essential to really good communication. The other thing I believe that is important is that you have to stay self-aware of needs, thoughts, and emotions. I just mentioned that. That's part of what it means to manage yourself. But you've got to learn to put language to these things because it's not your um, the other person's job to read your mind. You have to tell them what you're thinking, what you're feeling how you're interpreting what others are saying, etc. And you can do that. And the more you can grow self-aware about what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're believing, what your emotions are, what your thoughts are, and communicate that as clearly as you can with healthy emotion. You don't want to remove emotion. We're not wanting robotic conversations. But we're wanting healthy conversations that protect connection, foster trust, send love messages, honor messages. You want all of that while you're having communication, whether it's about your child's schoolwork or something, at your career or a significant issue that may be happening or a celebration. Stay self-aware of your needs, thoughts, and emotions. I had a hard time learning how to manage me and stay self-aware in the early days of being a more healthy communicator and a more healthy listener. I didn't know how to do it. And it felt very awkward. What do you mean manage me? 
How, how do I stay reflective of my own thoughts, feelings, beliefs, passions, needs, desires? Isn't it selfish to tell someone what I need? Well, the alternative is that you're ultimately saying, no, you just need to read my mind or you should know me so well that you just know what I need. And, you know, after 29 years of marriage, I can usually guess what my wife needs and go for it. But I don't want a marriage based on assumption. I want a marriage that's open to communication and connecting at a heart-to-heart level. And so you, this may feel awkward for you for a while, but I just want to encourage you to keep doing it because the more you can manage yourself, self, stay self-aware and not try to control others, the more efficient you're going to become. And you're going to really like the way that feels because it's a very, very powerful feeling. Something else I've learned is that when you communicate, you should use I statements, not you statements. Here's a classic example. You know, you really make me angry. You know, when you say that, you hurt my feelings. Well, no one's questioning that the the feelings are hurt and no one's questioning that anger is present. But when when you communicate and all you use are you statements, what you're really doing is giving someone the remote control to your emotions and you're letting them push whatever buttons they want and you can only react to it and respond to it the way a TV responds to a remote control. The TV is powerless without the remote control. So you want to take the remote control back and you want to use I statements saying things like, I feel angry. My feelings feel hurt. If you're with someone that you love, someone that respects you and admires you, one of the few first statements they should make is, I'm sorry that you feel angry. I'm sorry that your feelings are hurt. The second thing they should do is ask a question. Am I doing something that's contributing to that? Am I doing something that's contributing to that? Because I may not know how you're receiving me. I have blind spots. I may be interacting with you from a place of my blind spots and not even know it. So when you can use I statements, it opens up the conversation for curiosity. You statements generally lead to judgment and to defensiveness. Again, that's where you get the shutdown, you get the passive aggressive, or you get the aggressive. What you want is to be an assertive communicator, and that is someone who's using I statements and not you statements. Another thing I've learned is that we need to be great at listening And by listening, I just mean when you hear what someone is saying, repeat it back to them, what you heard. And this is often what we do, and I think we we do it subconsciously, don't even know it, is that we interpret what they say. So we're with someone and they say, you know, you really made me angry. Or maybe they're practicing the I statement and they say, I feel angry. We hear that. And we interpret it and we think, well, you're just angry because you had a bad day or you're angry because you know I'm right or you're angry because we may not say these things, but we think these things. That's the interpretation. Really good listening repeats back what you heard the person say and you repeat your interpretations because the goal is to achieve clarity that supports connection achieve clarity that helps you discover understanding and the greater the clarity the greater understanding then the more strong your connection will be the more uh decisive and and the place of wisdom really emerges in that kind of clarity okay let me share with you just a few more ideas 
when you're communicating, you need to discover what is needed in the relationship and if necessary, sacrifice to meet the need of another. It shouldn't be your job to mind read the other person on what they need. It's your job to tell the other person what you need. I feel angry. What I need is a reason why you said that. Can you help me understand why this was said? I feel angry. What I need is 30 minutes to over to deal with my anger and bring a better me back to the table. I feel angry, and what I need is some form of justice. I feel angry. What I need is to be involved in the decision next time it's made. I feel left out, therefore I feel angry. You're using I statements, and when you can identify the problem, the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, then you more quickly can identify what it is you need. And it's your job to communicate what you need. And it's those that you're talking to. It's their job to communicate what they need. So discover what is needed in the relationship. And if necessary, sacrifice in order to meet the need. That's what love does. That's what respect does. That's what trust-building conversations will do. They will swallow their own pride. They will swallow their own sense of self-righteousness and justice. And they will humble themselves and say, how can I help meet that need? Okay. Once you've done that, here's a really important point. This, This is such an important point in good communication. Identify and label your personal values. Identify and label your personal values. Have you ever thought about your personal values, your core values? See, a lot of times when I've worked with people for 30 years, lots of emotions surface. And what individuals haven't done is, not everybody, but but sometimes this is fairly common, is they haven't gone deeper than the emotion to ask, why am I feeling this way? And when you start digging into the emotions, you discover core values you discover uh, deeper memories that need some healing and need maybe a therapeutic approach. You discover core values. I was talking with a couple recently who's getting married, and the more they talked, the more I discovered one of the um, man's core values. And when I said, you know what I'm hearing you communicate is really important to you, And then I shared the value back to them. You could kind of see the light bulb go on and say, yeah, this is more than just a need. It's a core value that I have. It brings stability, creativity, feelings of progress and movement and momentum and prosperity in the relationship. When that value was identified, he now has better language, greater permission to say, look, this is a really important to me. This is a priority for me. And it allowed uh, his future spouse to also identify, oh, you need this. Okay, well, here's what I can do to help you get that. And once that value was identified, it really began to click and their conversation became much more effective and loving and kind. And it became more vision oriented rather than getting in tit for tat arguments. When you discover your values, you want them to complement each other, not compete with each other. Let me say that again. When you discover these values, you want them to complement each other, not compete with each other. One of the ways that your values begin to complement each other is 
you have a conversation around these core values and what they look like in your relationship, in your family, in your workplace, in your ministry. When you don't have that kind of conversation, you don't explore how these values complement each other, then one of the only other default positions is they is that they compete with each other. And you don't want that kind of competition. It creates silos, assumptions, speculation, disconnection, and that's really toxic for a relationship. So identify and label your personal values and then build a relationship around how those values are complementing each other, not competing with each other. All right, I've got one more for you, just one more thought that I've learned in communication. Complementing values, healthy connection, it, it fosters a creativity in your relationship. You're not spending all this emotional energy managing tit-for-tat arguments. You're not spending all of this emotional energy arguing your point like an attorney in a law case. You're actually building synergy, collaboration. You're exhibiting compassion and understanding towards each other. You are generously wanting to help meet the needs of one another, be a catalyst for needs being met in one another. And that produces amazing creativity, compassion, courage, connection, curiosity. It fosters all of that in your relationship. And that is really good soil for you to build a friendship, a relationship, a leadership relationship, a co-working relationship. It's just great soil for those ideas. And that's the real breeding ground for legacy. That's, the, that's, the, that's when your relationships and your friendships really begin to move in a purpose that is much larger than yourself. These are some tips that I've learned. Manage yourself, not someone else. Stay self-aware of your needs, thoughts, emotions. Third, communicate using I statements, not you statements. You know, listen and repeat back what you've heard and interpret it to ensure clarity. Discover what's needed in the relationship. Sacrifice to meet it. Identify and label your personal values so that they complete each other, not complement each other, uh, compete with each other, but they complement each other. We want completion and complementation, not competition. Seventh, completing, complementing values, healthy connection, creativity. It produces godly relationships, produces relationships that live for something much bigger than yourself. I hope these really help you because I'm going to spend some time with my friend tonight and tomorrow and if he could, he's going to talk. He's going to say, I wish I could have a conversation. I wish I could communicate with these people that I love. I wish I could go back and communicate differently. Friends, I don't want you to have those what if moments and regret moments. I want to give you some tips today that can help you really upgrade your communication, which is going to upgrade your connection, which is going to broaden the pipeline for love messages, trust messages, honor messages, respect messages, joy messages. And we all want more of that in our lives. Hey, it's been a real joy to be with you today on episode 140, 140, it's amazing, of our little podcast, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Lives. I love being with you, friends. I hope this has been helpful for you. I would encourage you to begin to apply these ideas and begin to practice these with your friends. Maybe you and some friends could listen to this podcast again together, jot down some of these ideas, and target what you want to begin to work on. All right? Hey, everybody, stay healthy, stay hopeful, and I'll talk to you next week.